We all think about what we eat. We plan our meals or count carbs or do any number of other things when it comes to what we put in our bodies. But do you ever think about the flavor of what you consume? Sure you do. What we eat or drink either tastes good or it doesn't. In fact, taste is the number one consideration in what we consume. Yet, there's more to it than just like or dislike. And there's even a whole industry dedicated to it. Flavor is memory. Flavor is feeling. Flavor is science. Flavor is art. Flavor is McCormick Fona. I'm Corey Doucette, and welcome to our Flavor University podcast, where we explore the science, artistry, and industry behind flavor. It's all in the sauce, or at least that's how the saying goes. If you want a quick burst of flavor or you want to bring to life an otherwise bland dish, a marinade is the way to go. These not-so-simple sauces have a multitude of applications and are some of the best ways to experiment or bring home the flavors you crave. Join us as we kick off grilling season with this saucy episode of the Flavor University podcast. Hello, everybody. We'd like to welcome McCormick's principal research chef, Ron Taylor, to the podcast. We're going to be talking about marinades today. Uh, So, Ron, nice to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Corey. Glad to be here. We're going to start with a little introduction, as we always do. So if you want to tell us who you are, what you do, and how you came into doing what you do, that would be great. Well, I'm a principal research chef for McCormick. Been doing this for about 22 years, quite a long time. And what I do is actually a kind of a complex question as it changes uh, day by day. As a R&D uh, person in a plant facility, which is kind of unique to McCormick, we either doing product development in, in a particular day, or we could be dealing with uh, scale-ups and indoor plant uh, production issues, depending on what's happening. So in that respect, it makes it very uh, interesting because what we do or what I do changes almost on a daily basis. Now, when you show up to work in the morning, I mean, in my head, I'm picturing, you know, business office or, you know, maybe even a, a production plant. But are you showing up to a kitchen each day with, you know, full set out or what? We have a full R&D space that uh, holds, I think there's eight people that work in the lab. So there's a mixture of desks and lab benches, and then there's a full kitchen on the other side. So Besides making flavoring ingredients that we make on production, we also do a lot in the application space that we send off to customers. And our flavors end up in a wide range of products that are out in the supermarket shelves. So it could be an aseptic broth, it could be a marinated meat, it could be a jerky. So as well as developing the flavors, we also work on the application so the customer can just kind of take it, taste it, and it kind of gives them a jump forward in the in kind of their own development space if we send it, the product in application. Got it. Now, Ron, I'm going to kind of jump away from the marinade section and we'll get back to that. But I, I want to talk to you a little bit more about yourself. Obviously, you have the title chef here, which I had the privilege of reading through your Foursquare. You're a, a CIA graduate, which for most people, you know, is Central Intelligence Agency. But for you and me, it's the Culinary Institute of America. The only reason I know that is my father is also a graduate of the CIA awesome. from 69, I believe it was. But can, can you tell me a little bit about that? What, what was that education experience like? Uh, so oddly enough, I'm from Massachusetts. And if you're from Massachusetts, really the only, at least the only culinary school I heard of was Johnson and Wales. That's mm-hmm. in Rhode Island and right out of school. I got in, got accepted and, you know, tried to make the financials work and it just didn't quite work out. 
and then kind of worked a year right out of high school and tried to take another swing at it. And it just didn't work out. And oddly enough, I got a like a flyer in the mail for the CIA and I didn't know the CIA was. And I started asking a few people that I knew that were in the know about these things. And they're like, oh, yeah, we've been there and kind of took a trip and fell in love with the school. I like the country more than the city. And if you're familiar with the two campuses, campuses, they couldn't be more different. Mm-hmm. And right on the Hudson River, it seemed like a really good, a good place to be and applied and got accepted. And just uh, it was a great journey. I didn't want to leave. I wanted to continue on education. I wanted to work with professors and do all kinds of things there. But that didn't work out. And I came back to Boston and got into a small luxury hotel in 1994 and worked there for about probably about five years and the hotel was sold and kind of the landscape of the place changed a little bit. So I ended up leaving and worked with the chef that I'd worked with for the five years that I was there because he left as well. And for about a year, saved some money and then went to Europe for three months and trekked around Italy, France, and just uh, put on about 55 pounds in three months. It was crazy. I couldn't believe it. I had to buy new clothes and and just had to like ditch the clothes that I had, or at least most of them. And yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty funny. I mean, those, those foods are so rich. And I I mean, I could spend a, a whole podcast just talking about, you know, the CIA and the Hyde Park location versus, you know, the Connecticut location, which is Incidentally, where it used to be, I am from Massachusetts. So, but anyways, you've you've traveled to do culinary. You you know went to the CIA. You worked at the hotel. So then you come to McCormick. Now, did you is marinade something new for you at McCormick, or is that just a, a project that you you were tasked to? Well, when I first started working for Brand, which is a part of McCormick and has been part of McCormick for the past, I want to say seven years now, it was your traditional flavor house meat reactions and other flavoring ingredients, primarily for aseptic broths of soups, gravies. And the owner saw that. And there were certain times of the year that it was very busy with those types of products. But during the summertime, it was non-existent. And as a growing business, I want to say at the time was maybe under 2 million in sales, very small. I mean, we're talking probably 2001, 2002, they needed to kind of fill that gap. And we started to get into marinades and had a few people, a few companies that were interested in buying marinades from us and that they were buying from others and said, you know, you make it for us and we'll buy it from you. So matched an entire line of a company's product that someone else was buying. That was kind of the start of it. Mm-hmm. So now we're we're coming into grilling season. I mean, in Illinois right now, it's it's really hot. I mean, it makes you think of of summer. Can you know with, with summer coming up? You know, what's what's what are people looking for in the marinade section? I think nowadays people are think are looking for something different, something they haven't tried before. I, I think with what we've been going through for the past couple of years, people have really immersed themselves in ethnic. So I think people are really exploring. They're, they're exploring not only marinades, but other kinds of foods. And I think marinades have 
this platform of being very ethnic and very approachable that you could try something very easily without a whole lot of effort and get a sense for whether you like it or don't like it, and then just move on. There's not a whole lot of that you have to invest from a time perspective to cook a dish. It's really taking some some of the ingredients from the country or a pre-made marinade, put it on meat, put it back in your refrigerator for a period of time, and then throw it on the grill. So it doesn't get too much easier than that as far as trying out a new ethnic cuisine if you have an interest in it. Yeah, I 100% understand what you're saying. I mean, whenever I want to try something new or something fast, it's no commitment. It's, you know, take a bottle off the shelf, put it on my my chosen protein and and go. I mean, I, I am one of those people, and I think I said this to you before, that I probably don't leave the meat to marinate as long as I should. But luckily, you know, with with the marinade section, you know, it just seems like I could glaze it or toss it, you know, in a bag and and I can still get good flavor out of it. But let's let's talk a little bit more about the science of this. Like what are marinades specifically for and what are they doing to the protein or meat choice that we're we're going with here? So marinades themselves that have a lot of different functions depending on the particular ingredient that you have in there. So acid, a marinade could be squeeze of lime juice on a meat and which is going to add some lime flavor obviously and then it depending on how long you leave it on that lime juice it's going to kind of break down or tenderize the surface a little bit and then you're going to grill that and you're going to have that flavor then if you start going out from that lime juice you can add some salt to it that's going to be a flavor enhancer but you don't want to use too much because then you start pulling moisture out of the protein, and that's going to be a detriment to what you're trying to do. You want to have some fat in there because that's going to help uh, the other flavors, especially if you're using spices, to penetrate into the protein all those different cells that are being opened up by the acid that you've put into the marinade to infuse a little bit further down into, into the protein. Then you can start getting into you know, sugar, which you want to use, or a sweetener, you want to use kind of sparingly because you'll start to burn uh, if you use too much of it. So it's that very delicate balance of your acid, your salt, your fat, your sugar to kind of create that marinade. And as you're kind of creating those, it really makes it very easy to kind of play with different things that you have already in your refrigerator. I mean, you don't have to go out and buy, you know, an entire bottle of a marinade, really any, anything you can use pretty much on your refrigerator door could be used as a, uh, either a marinade as a whole or a starting point for a marinade. Now, when it comes to the, the decision between a marinade or a rub, what's the difference between the two? I mean, obviously a rub is usually a dry, dry seasoning put on the meat. Do you use them in tandem or should you use them separately? Uh, usually I do them separately. I mean, there's there's a couple of different things in using a, a marinade and a rub together. The I, I think the only example I could think of where you're using them together is if you're doing ribs. Mm-hmm. And ribs, you look at some of the best in the business that are doing ribs, they'll coat it in mustard. And then they'll put their dry on top of that. And what the mustard does, it has some of that acid in there. And it's going to help adhere the rub to the to the ribs. 
and you really don't get you don't get that mustard flavor because when you grill or cook mustard, it pretty much disappears. Mm -hmm. So you're using it as a the acid in there to kind of tenderize it a little bit and let's say dry rub glue for the ribs. Mm -hmm. Now, as you're talking about, you know, grilling ribs and whatnot, it sounds like you have a little passion for, for barbecue or, or for, now I want to get this right because a lot of people where I'm from will say, Hey, you know, let's have barbecue. And what they're talking about is like hamburgers and hot dogs where that's, that's grilling, not barbecuing. Yes. But am I getting that from you? Are you barbecue is kind of your, your, your jam, your. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I mean, your description is, is spot on, you know, grilling is, it can go past hamburgers and hot dogs, but it can be marinated meat. But when you get into the barbecue and yeah, I could say I have a, an affection or a passion for barbecue. I've blown through four smokers oh. and just through, just through use from use and maybe a little weather abuse too. Cause uh -huh. you know, you, you're out there in November and you don't, you know, you don't cover it back up and then all of a sudden it snows and you forgot. So yeah, that barbecue of that low and slow, is transformational, you know, when it comes to protein and, and certainly that's when brining and marinating and rubs really kind of all play together in that smoking low and slow heat over time to create some really awesome barbecue. Now, a lot of people may not have this thought, but or maybe they do, but barbecue sauce, am I correct in saying that is a married? And, and do you make your own when you're smoking? Or Oddly enough, I'm a fan of Stubbs. Okay. Even before McCormick owned, I just, you know, I just happen to love the Stubbs barbecue sauce line. I don't mm -hmm. really, I, I don't really make my own. And if barbecue is, is really good, you don't really need it. I just happen to love barbecue sauce. And mm -hmm. I probably go back and forth as I eat it. We'll have some with, you know, one rib with barbecue sauce, one rib without it, you know, and then brisket. If brisket's really good, you really, it really doesn't need anything really on it. I mean, you're, you're speaking to my stomach, Ron. I think we have the same palate when it comes to eating barbecue. So let's, let's kind of go back to our marinade portion of things here. When, when I say I don't really take the time to marinate things, is that something I need to do? Do I need to let it go overnight? Is it a 24-hour period? Is it something that I need to, you know, is it okay for me to do it so quickly? It really depends on what you're, what you're marinating, what the protein is. Hmm. will dictate whether you're going to be successful with a 20-minute or an hour marinade or whether you need to go overnight. So if you have, say, a really tough piece of beef, and you're doing, let's just say, Korean barbecue, uh -huh. and, you, and you're kind of slicing that, you're slicing it pretty thin, but it's a tough cut of meat. You want to do that overnight, possibly with maybe some pineapple or some papaya, which I didn't even cover before, which are fruits that have enzymes in them that will help break down the protein even further than an acid would. But you have to be very careful with that because if you do it too much, then you're going to end up with mushy meat. Mm. Yeah. I was recently doing a, a beef and broccoli recipe and I thought I'd, I got a skirt steak for it and I, I thought I'd cut it nice and thin and, you know, serve it to my family. And the first thing my wife said is, you know, did you, what did you do to this? It's, it's shoe leather. I can't, I can't do anything with it. And, and I was like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing wrong here. And then I, I watched 
I do, I'm a big fan of, of social media and TikToks and little videos. And I'm not looking at like, you know, Disney vacations or I'm not looking at, you know, the, the newest dance craze or whatever. I'm literally looking for people uh, to show me their recipes. And I saw this one where she was, I think she used cornstarch to actually like tenderize the meat. And I, I don't know, maybe I, I miss it, but I mean, I just thought of that as just revolutionary and I, I haven't tried it yet. But I think the other thing I want to talk about here is a marinade is, is, is a marinade like an infusion or is an infusion something completely different than a marinade? Well, I mean, if you're thinking of, say, an infusion or maybe even an injection, mm. you know, that's something different than just a what we refer to as a topical marinade. Mm-hmm. Usually your your injection will be some salt, some sugar, water, and maybe some flavor ingredients that you, you know, inject in there. I have never actually taken a topical marinade and injected that into a meat. It's just some salt, sugar, and water to kind of give uh, the meat or protein some extra fluid in there and really get some of that salt in there. And it helps with the moisture as you're cooking it. Hmm. On, a, on a different note, you, you said you did more with like brining and uh, obviously smoking. So Thanksgiving time rolls around. Are you brining and smoking your turkey? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And, and again, the brining of a turkey, it's some salt, water, some sugar, and some spices, you know, those traditional, you know, fall Thanksgiving kind of herbs that you're, that you're going to use some bay leaf and maybe some black peppercorn and all that you heat the, some of that brine up in water and you really get that water infused with all those herbs and spices, you chill it and then you put your turkey in there. So all that water is infused with those herbs and spices prior to brining. Now, are are you kind of advocating for more of a, a simpler method, say maybe a, a simpler solution when it comes to injection than a more complicated marinade, perhaps? I, I think it really depends on the person and how much you want to invest in time. Some people are really into it and they really get into brining and infusing and injecting and topicals and smoking. And if you don't, then and that's okay. You know, you can buy a store bought marinade or grab uh, the container of say mayonnaise out of your out of your refrigerator and your taco seasoning pack and you could do chicken with that or any salad dressing that's on the door my son loves caesar when i do the caesar chicken and i just take the caesar salad dressing that he likes that has all of those components in it marinate the chicken for I, i go about four hours and grill it and he loves it so you're blowing my mind right now, Ron. I got to say, my in-laws are in town, and I was literally, before I came here, thinking about what I was doing for dinner. And you totally just answered my question, or my, my thought process. That's that's great. So I know you weren't here to give like recipe assignments for me to cook tonight, but I think you just nailed it. Yeah. The only thing I don't, I don't see as a good marinade that you know people have on their doors are actually barbecue sauce. I don't really see that as a, you know, as a marinade when you put it on there. I don't really get a whole lot of infusion of marinade or you don't really get that smoky tomato. It's lost. Mm -hmm. I really treat barbecue sauce as almost like buffalo sauce. So you cook it and then you toss it in the barbecue sauce, maybe throw it back in the grill to kind of just caramelize some of the sugars a little bit and get that coating on there. And then you're, you're done. And people are going to really get that 
tomato barbecue sense. So we've discussed a little bit that marinades are fast and we've talked that, you know, marinades are kind of like a, a, a gateway to, I mean, almost flavor, it seems like. Let's let's talk about the the price comparison a little bit here. So when people are going to buy marinades, you know, are are they quick and ready? Are they cheap? Are they, you know, what's what's the landscape like for that? Well, I think there's a wide range of costs when it comes to marinades. You can get dry ones that are very very inexpensive that you add some of your own ingredients to, and then some finished ones that are off the shelf that are a couple of dollars. Uh, for a bottle up to seven or eight dollars a bottle, depending on the ingredients and the uniqueness of them. But I think really what the cost comes in is that you're taking a lesser cut of meat that's less expensive and you're putting a marinade on them to increase the flavor and the palatability of that lesser cut of meat. So I think that that's where the real cost savings are. I'm a big fan of cowboy cuts and, and ribeyes, but I can't eat that all the time. It becomes, it's, it's expensive, especially nowadays. So getting that, you know, London broil or that top round steak or that top round sirloin steak and putting a marinade on it and then grilling it. I think that's where the, the really the cost savings comes in, especially if you've got a big family. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the further any food can go, the the better off you'll be with a larger family. That's why, it, you know, it was always pasta or cheaper, like you said, cheaper cuts of meat to to make things go further. Um, not that I had a big family, we just like to eat. <laughs> um, so usually, what I also like to do in these podcasts is I kind of like to talk about the the unusual, the kind of odd when it comes to the topic that we're we're dealing with. Is there anything unusual that marinades are used for or that you would use, you know, an unusual flavor or recipe for a marinade? Well, the unusual, that's, I, I mean, I can think of unusual things to, to marinate. That was one, one of the things that I actually have in my Amazon basket is a alligator. Oh, nice. You can go on Amazon and buy an alligator depending on your crowd Either it's, uh, I think it breaks down to, uh, 10 to 15, 20, 15 to 20, or 20 to 25 pounds. And it's the whole skinned alligator. And you can just throw that in your, in your barbecue. And the reason why I have it in there is because my son, uh, my youngest son, who's 10, is really into game meat. Uh, we were up camping last year and he wanted to do some frog, some frog hunting. Uh-huh. We were fishing all day. I'm like, all right, you want to go frog hunting? Let's go frog hunting. And I didn't know. I didn't know that he watched a ton of YouTubes and TikToks on on frogs and stuff. So um, we went out and it was dusk. He caught two and we, he was so excited. He brought them back to camp. And before I blinked, he had those things skinned. And on a s'more stick, before you could blink an eye, I was amazed. And he threw some Montreal steak seasoning on there that we had used the night before. I actually even had him do a little video with his frog legs in Montreal saying that McCormick spices make frog legs taste better. It was hysterical. <laughs> it was absolutely hysterical. I showed that to someone in marketing last week and she nearly died laughing. That's so cool. Oh, my goodness. So I've, I've had alligator a few times. And, you know, that's definitely one of the things you, you, you know, you want to break down and cook the swamp out of, as I, I like to say, 
but totally worth it in the end. Tastes great when you make like a um, an egg roll out of it, or you know, even even like like a minced slider kind of thing. Uh-huh. We, my wife and I, went to Australia for our honeymoon, and while we were there, I think we probably ate all of their national animals except for the koala, which is kind of weird to say. But we had the kangaroo, we had the alligator, we had emu, all of them. You know, obviously good, good. But the the kangaroo, and this is going to sound kind of odd, maybe not, was was definitely chewy. I mean, the meat that they're getting, this is a strong animal. This is, you know, a lot of muscle that you're trying to get through. So that we got a, a kangaroo steak. And okay. we, my wife and I ended up splitting it. It was just, it was a little, little too tough. Uh, but the thing that really surprised me that we had while we were there was camel. We had a burger, a camel burger. My wife got a regular cow and I got the camel just to be adventurous. And she was like, I don't know if I want to try that. And I was like, okay, well, we'll split it. I'll take half, you take half. And then she ate both my halves. So oh, wow. yeah, she she really enjoyed it. But I mean, you know, back to that kangaroo, I think, you know, maybe a, a, something to break that down would have been really helpful. So we've talked a lot about meats and marinades and, you know, what those applications are. Can we talk more about like for our, you know, for our vegetarian crowd is, are there marinades that are specific for vegetables or is that, you know, not something that people really consider all that much? No, I mean, it's not very, there, there aren't specific uh, marinades for vegetables. It's just really shorter time. So when you're marinating vegetables, you really, I would say not more than 45 minutes because mm. as the salt and things interact with that, the vegetable just gets more limp. And so it, and it doesn't take much to kind of infuse that. So you kind of have to find that happy that happy medium that's going to infuse it. And then some vegetables don't really take marinade. I mean, mushrooms are good, uh, zucchini, summer squash, you know, those things that are kind of, that like to soak in liquid, but very short period of time and then grill away. Yeah. My mother used to be a big fan of marinated mushrooms. We always had a jar in our house at any given time. And I am growing cucumbers this season. I don't particularly love cucumbers as is, but I'm definitely going to be doing some pickles. And, you know, like you said, it's because it's easy and it's, you know, faster than, you know, a meat or whatnot. Well, if you if you dig uh, bread and butter pickles, I have uh, I just recently acquired my grandmother's bread and butter pickle recipe from one of my aunts and wouldn't mind sharing it. it oh, please. It was it's amazing. And it's in her own handwriting. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was really fortunate to get it. And it took me about eight months to talk to the right aunt who had it. <laughs> We, we talked on the podcast before about, you know, handwritten recipes and, you know, passing recipes down. And yeah, I'd, I'd be honored to try that. Yeah, absolutely. I hope my, my cucumbers grow well enough just so that I can, I can try that alone. Yeah. And a few, uh, speaking of pickles and marinades, a few searches that I've done, people are using pickle juice as a, as a marinade. So, and which makes sense. I'd never yeah. heard of it, but that, that vinegar, acid, spices, it's all, it's, it's all there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, it's, it's a brine. It's going to break it down. It's, you know, it's, I, I don't know what I would, what meat I would add pickle juice to. Um, and still, I mean, I, I like pickles as much as the next guy, but I, I don't know if, if that on a protein is going to do it for me. I think I'd have to find something else to, to pair it with. Yeah. Well, that's, so that's the thing is that that's made, that makes marinade approachable. So say if you're doing teriyaki chicken breast, you just put one aside, throw some pickle juice on it, see how it all goes, grill it up. And if it's, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I would think that, you know, obviously pickle juice is probably less known, maybe 
not as in the forefront of the the marinade world. What are like the top, I mean, if you could tell me this, what are like the top marinades that people use? If obviously we're not considering barbecue sauce a marinade. Well, I, I think that there'd be some strong opposition to, to that. I think there'd be some people that disagreed with me. That's, that's strictly my opinion. No, I'm right there with you, man. I'm right there with you. Just from experience uh, and just how I prefer to use it. But I would say teriyaki is very is very popular. Lemon pepper, lemon garlic, some of those Latin American flavors are very, mojo. Carne asada is very very popular nowadays. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, all those you named, I'm pretty sure I've tried a, a flavor for each one of those. All right, everyone, we're coming to the end of our podcast here, and as always, we like to bring you our key takeaways. So. Today's key takeaways from Ron uh, to do with marinades, wh- whatever you want to add to those, Ron. So what have you got for us? I think that everyone in their, in their kitchen has a wide range of ingredients to start creating marinades right away. You don't have to run out and buy, you know, all kinds of different marinades. You have a lot of things in your refrigerator, in your pantry, in your spice rack to be able to start experimenting and playing around with marinades and different flavors. Cooking should be fun and and grilling and barbecuing is no different. Experiment with marinades, you know, acid, oil, spices, salt and sweet are kind of the top kind of things you need to keep in mind. And everyone certainly has ample of those types of ingredients. So use your imagination, measure and write things down. That would be my kind of takeaways from that. Because the last thing you want to do is create something that you love that you can't recreate. That happens to me all the time, <laughs> all the time. Uh, awesome. Uh, okay, Ron. Well, thank you. Thank you for those takeaways. I definitely will indoctrinate those into my cooking. Uh, I think tonight is going to be the mayonnaise and taco seasoning at my house, definitely. So now we're going to get to the last part, going to do some rapid fire questions here, either two or three, and just off the cuff, personal experience. If you need a minute or two, let me know, but we'll do that. Uh, So my first question for you, Ron, for for this ending period here is when we first spoke last week, uh, you noticed my Hogwarts t-shirt. So if you were going to make a marinade for my house, which is Hufflepuff, what kind of marinade would you make? Hufflepuff. Wow. That's deep. Hufflepuff, I don't know, chicken thighs and something with a lot of herbs. Maybe some turmeric. I don't know why turmeric. Hufflepuff turmeric. I don't know. Um, I, I'm sure that, that we would all enjoy that in my, in my house, in the, in the common room, if you will. Uh, the Slytherin would have been easier. It would have been rattlesnake, <laughs> rattlesnake meat and chilies. That I mean, I would try that as well, but that's my Hufflepuff nature of, you know, appeasing and trying. So. Yeah. That sounds great. Uh, I'm down for that. So next question is, is there a marinade out there that, you know, you just think is, is overdone or just, you know, too, too wild? Wow. I, I would say teriyaki. There's so many forms of teriyaki out there. It's, you don't know where to go with it. And people should get more specific, you know, in their Asian adventures in, in teriyaki, if that's your, if that's your thing go Korean or go Japanese and put yuzu and, you know, get a little bit more adventurous than your run-of-the-mill teriyaki. Mm, absolutely. All right. Well, that's it for Flavor University Podcast. I'm Corey Doucette, and I'd love to thank our special guests, Ron Taylor, today for joining us. 
Thanks so much, Ron. Really appreciate what you gave us today. Thanks everyone again for listening. And until next time, the flavor of McCormick Fona is the flavor of life. So go out and taste it. <laughs>